Welcome to another episode of the Spiritual Awakening Show. I'm your host, Brent Spirit, and my guest today is Greg, a.k.a. The Calm Inside. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So, Greg, I'm going to introduce you to our audience by reading your Amazon author profile. Of course, that gives it away a little bit already. Greg is an author. He's got four very fascinating, meaningful books out that I'm sure we're going to get into today. But let me just jump right into this here. Greg is an introverted, naturally curious guy that has had to deal with what he calls mental emotional pressure, anxiety, depression, chronic depersonalization, and panic are things that have pushed Greg to search for healing in his life over the past 15 years. He was turned on to meditation and mindfulness by a therapist he was seeing and enjoyed these practices so much that he made them a regular part of his life. It's through those practices that a full, still, calm place opened up within him. And it is from that space that writing flows. Greg is the author of Pain, Life, Love, Heart, Home, Now, Still Small Voice, Advice and Insights to Find the Peace Within This Chaotic World, and Just Be, Words to Help You Heal. And these four books make up his series called The Heartwarming Field Guide for the Journey from Pain to Peace. So Greg, I chose to share your bio there from your Amazon author profile because it was so well written and it captured, you know, the the story that many of us have, right? We turn to spirituality, we turn to meditation and mindfulness after facing suffering to some degree. And I love the way it's worded here. I haven't seen it worded this way anywhere else before, but you call it mental dash emotional pressure. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the earlier parts of your journey when you were, you know, facing all of this stuff that led you to find your your spiritual path and then eventually of course begin to share really beautiful messages with others through your four books. How did it all begin for you? It was probably when I first started moving out of my parents' house. And going to college. Um, I went to college kind of locally at a community college. And I I started getting some anxiety. Um, more than just nervousness, you know, anxiety. Um, I'm sure a lot of people know what I'm talking about. So the first route I went was to go to the doctor. And I was on Prozac. And it, I hated it. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. So I was like, all right. So I go back. And I get um, something else. I forget. But none of those, none of it helped. And so I was like, well, okay. You know, that's maybe not what my body wants. And then I kind of, I bounced around college. Uh, I was actually in a band. I was really busy that time. I was going to school full time at college. I was in a band. Um, and I was working, um, I think, part time. Yeah, at that point, I was working part-time. Um, and so I, f- I 
got bounced around the medical system to uh, a psychologist. He was really good. I forget his name, um, but he was, he reminded me a lot of Yoda. He was very small. He was very, I, I don't know. He just had a Yoda vibe to him. He was older. He was probably in his fifties or his sixties. Um, and he was, he just started turning me on to stuff. Um, he started me getting me into like Alan Watts. Um, he started getting me into, uh, he called it point meditation, which was basically just staring at a point on the wall. And then some sort of some guided meditation um, stuff. So that kind of started the spark for me. Um, and I went back. Like, I think you, when you get anxiety and, and mental issues, you kind of oscillate back and forth. So I, I went from, I would go from that to I would try like, oh, well, maybe I just need a different medication. And they started coming out with different medication. And I think it was Zoloft I tried, which was fine, but it helped with the anxiety, but I just wasn't myself. I couldn't do it. I was just, I was with my girlfriend at the time and it just, it wasn't for me. So I kept going back to the Eastern side of things. Um, I was listening to a ton of Alan Watts. Um, he's got great um, lectures and uh, books. And then I started getting more into the, I guess more into the Buddhist aspect um, and like Tao Te Ching um, and just kind of climbing the steps there. Uh, Robert M. Piercing was a big, I read that book, the Zen and the Order Motors, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I don't know how many times I listened to it or read it, but it's a really great book. Um, yeah. And it's, I kind of climbed and then I landed like, I think a lot of us do on Eckhart Tolle, mm. um, the power now. And, but that, that stuff helped me more than any of the, the medication. I went to another, I bounced around to another psychologist and she was actually really good too. These, they both, it's funny cause I got that, the psychologist, the older guy. And then like three months later he quit. I was like, okay, well maybe that's, you know, that's done. And I didn't really feel the need to go back to another psychologist because I was like, well, this guy is really good. He kind of helped me, like, push me on that path. And then I met another lady who was a psychologist. And I met with her for, like, six months. And then I get a letter that's saying she quit. <laughs> so I was just like, what? Um, but she was really into the um, Enneagram and the Enneagram types and personality types and stuff. So she kind of turned me on and helped um, with that. But during this time, probably when I first started listening to Alan Watts and stuff, I kind of like got this feeling that I wanted to help people, you know, like I started kind of getting some relief and I was like, I just bouncing around, like, I want to help people. Like I want to like maybe start a blog or start a podcast or, you know, do something to just help. And I didn't have, you know, I haven't realized that I had a talent for writing or anything like that yet. So I just, I just kind of had that idea and it just bounced around in my head and I was like, well, I want to help people. And I was working and I think somebody at work, um, I was working at this pharmaceutical company, but, uh, I think one of the guys I was working with had a Tumblr and he was like sharing stuff on Facebook from Tumblr or something. So I was like, Oh, I'll check this out. And so I started, um, just doing some quotes and stuff on Tumblr and, um, kind of gained some traction there with people following and stuff. Cause I, I felt 
like I'll probably post probably like 300 quotes but I like sift I try to sift through to get to the really good ones because mm. like there's tons of Eckhart Tolle quotes there's tons of Alan Watts quotes there's just ones that I don't think were I don't know just I wanted to put out good stuff to help right. people so I sifted right. through a lot so I I would kind of gravitate towards the ones that made me feel good like you know resonated with something in me and then i put those on there and i think that kind of just you know i'd post quite a few and that kind of belt um up to uh the point where people started asking me questions and i was like okay like i don't know if i can like i'd try to pick one or two here or there and answer and kind of i've always had a a really good intuitive sense like i remember uh I don't know how old I was. I was playing soccer and I was like probably nine or 10. And I remember the coach telling my, my parents, he's like, he's like, Greg, like it's something you can't teach, but Greg kind of knows where everybody is on the field without like knowing, you know, mm -hmm. I just kind of always had that, like a high intuitive feel just my whole life. I just been, I just kind of been like that. So I just sort of used my intuition and wrote and I'm just, I always put it at the end, like, I hope this helps, you know? Because usually I don't hear back from people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's just, you know, I was, it was just, I hope this helps, you know. And then some people I'd converse with more or some people weren't on anonymous mode and stuff. So I'd, I'd answer, you know, as many questions as I could and kind of built, uh, built a little bit of a following on there. And then it just, I just kept writing and writing. And then some, sometimes I would just sit, and then something would come to me and it would be like, I have to write this. Like I'd be in the car driving. I'd be like, pull over. I'd have to like, I just felt like I had to write. So I just kind of started writing little like poetry type things or insightful things and posted them on there and kind of just filled the blog out with that. And that kind of all led all those little like writings led to like themes, which led to the first book I wrote, Pain, Life, Love. Um, just with pain, life, and love, the the uh, the themes of it just kept coming up and coming up, and so I kind of define. So I think people feel like love, like you know, it's I'm talking more about unconditional love, like universal love, not you know. I think I call it like a fragment, like interpersonal love is more like a fragment of that. Like mm -hmm. I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain there, but. Um, the life with a capital L I used to kind of like the best thing would be to be the Tao, you know, just the flow. Right. Yeah. And then pain would be just, I guess that's pretty obvious, but <laughs> not physical pain, but more emotional pain, um, which builds up in the nervous system. So that, and then I just kept, kept writing and kept doing that for, I don't know, five or six years, probably. And then a couple other books came out and then one's a couple more and more poetry, shorter verse uh, styles, but yep. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So we have very similar stories. Um, you know, I, I was drawn to the path for similar reasons, dealing with depression, anxiety, began to listen to some similar people, you know, like Alan Watts, Eckhart Tolle, I found Buddhism and I actually 
was drawn very strongly to Tumblr as well, where I began to uh, get similar downloads to you, downloads or intuitive things that, you know, I have to write this. And, and people began to um, also approach me. And that's actually how uh, uh, we were connected earlier on. Of course, I've moved on from Tumblr now, but um, it's really incredible to see how your work has evolved and grown and as you were sharing, you know, in the beginning, you began by sharing other people's quotes from other mystics. And, you know, today I would say you're writing the quotes in, in reading your work. This is this, these are mystical writings here. This is mystical poetry and um, really poignant, gentle words, but also they cut right through. And it's the type of work that, you know, you can keep on your bedside and, and just read, just read a, a page and it gives you enough to uh, reflect as you fall asleep or, or in the morning, it, just a page is enough to, um, you know, contemplate throughout the day. Very uh, powerful stuff. I think what your journey is an example of is someone following the flow and allowing that to take a life of its own and to inspire you and to grow. And you said something really subtle earlier here. You said, and then, you know, a couple more books came out. And the way you said that, it was almost as if it didn't have anything to do with you. Like, yeah, you know, can, can you talk a little bit about how you, you write here in your bio that, you know, it's from the space that opened mm -hmm. up in you that is still and calm. It's from that place that the writing flows. <laughs> Can, can you speak about it in a way that, you know, somebody who's maybe getting these inklings, getting these feelings, you know, I want to share, I've benefited so greatly from these practices, from the teachings. I want to share just out of, you know, the goodwill and supporting others. And it feels right to me, but I'm afraid, or I don't know where to start. Or I don't know what to do. You know, what advice can you give to a, a young writer or a young creator or somebody who's still finding their way? You got to Yeah, you got to The toughest part is getting out of the way and letting it go. You know, um, yeah, it's like a separate animal, you know, it's the, yeah, you, I mean, you just got to keep writing and writing and writing or drawing and drawing and drawing or whatever the creative, however, it's coming out of you. Um, you got, yeah, you just got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and just sort of letting it go. And if it sucks, then cut it out. If it, you know, cut the writing out or start over with a new painting or, you know, just, there's always, you know, something better going on and it can, it, you just have to sort of let it come out. So I, I like how you're saying here that, you know, um, if some of the things that we write, isn't that good or. You know, it's not up to our, you know, maybe it's not up to the standard that we feel like it should be before we share it with others. You know, we, you're sharing here to just, you know, throw it out and move on, but make sure that you keep writing, keep letting it flow. I think that's really valuable because I feel like some may think that, you know, maybe like a, a mystical poet, like a Rumi or a, a Lao Tzu, you know, like they just sat down and started writing and the first word they wrote was, you know, gold 
and everything they ever published was gold. But I don't think it was really that way. I think even, you know, great writers, artists, all all of them, even even those that are inspired through, you know, call it spiritual awakening or enlightenment or even geniuses, I think they still have to go through a process of refinement and honing their craft, developing their style, as well as learning how to surrender to the flow that's coming through. I think that signal can sometimes be intermittent. We can kind of surf the wave and fall off. Has that been your experience as well, that it takes skill to learn how to essentially channel or let these things come through? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think our job is to just start. Like if I just start writing, um, like say somebody asks a question, I just start responding. Usually the first two paragraphs are like, not that good i could just throw them out but and then it just starts it's just it just starts i don't know i guess you just good at get better at it the more you do it so that's why i say you just got to keep keep doing what it's doing and if you're pulled to to have to do something like writing or drawing or something you just feel like you have to do it then i I don't know you got to just let it go otherwise i think you'll get more frustration in your life i think you won't have an outlet for a lot of that a lot of the input you have coming into your life. So you got to have an output too. So art's a great way to, to let that flow out. That's just, yeah. Right. Right. So I'll read a line here that speaks to, I think one of the most difficult topics to address, to grasp, to practice. And that's the topic of surrender. There's a line here that you wrote that, you know, is, is gold. You say, to surrender is to relax fully, deeply. It is to empty yourself fully. It is to let yourself collapse into yourself. It is to expose your rawness, to stand naked amongst the clothed. It is to leave yourself behind. It is a free fall into cradling arms. It is to die and be reborn over and over again until there is less and less of you left until you are gone. It's really beautiful. Can you share a little bit about how surrender has played a role in your life, in your practice, you know, taking you out of, um, you know, some of the darker periods and finding, you know, like you write here that, you know, falling into cradling arms. You know, mm-hmm. Where has this played a role in your journey? This I, surrender comes when you you absolutely have you you're basically at your wits end. You know, you're you've tried everything, and there's nothing. There's nothing left to try. You just you're done. Like either emotionally, physically, mentally, you're just done. So that that happened to me um with my depersonalization because it's like i haven't had a panic attack panic attack in i think seven years that's kind of another odd story but um my anxiety um social anxiety and stuff a lot of that has quieted down Uh, that's where i can kind of function very well as an adult (laughs) but with the depersonalization it's it's just been something that it's like if you were uh, 
use an analogy. It's like if you were out lost out in the woods and you're trying to start a fire and the, you know, it's all wet and you can't start a fire with a match. You can't start a fire rubbing sticks together. You can't start a fire like clanging rocks together. You're just trying everything. And then you just lay down and like, you're just, you're just done. Like, you know, you're just done. You can't do, like, you, you just can't get to what you want to do. And so you're like, well, I guess I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, maybe if you slept, you know, with that analogy, maybe you slept, you woke up, it dried out. You could light a mat, you could, you know, use a match, light a fire and get warm. But it's just sort of at that point where surrender is like the only option. It's the, like, it's the least desirable option, but it's the only option. And from what I found when I'll do, uh, I write, I write in the, in the end of the book about some practices and exercises to do. And it's, there's nothing I'm going to write about that I haven't done myself, like an exercise or anything, just to, so I know what, you know, what people can get into, but as I call it deathbed surrender, it's just basically like laying in like a Shavasana pose, just on the floor, just, I mean, you have a pillow or anything or a pillow if you want, but just, you just, it's just extreme relaxation. It's just like I, like I said, it's just, it's just a f- like sinking into the floor as much as you can, just softening your body as much as you can. And I would do that for like 45 minutes to an hour when I would just get at these points. And ironically, after probably within a week when I used to do that, I would have some of the most insightful things um, in my life came about. So it's sort of like a, I don't know, it's like a clearing, I guess, for the the nervous system to like, let other stuff in and kind of let other things go. I don't know if that makes sense, but totally. I've been my, my experience with it. Yeah. I like, I like your words. Uh, they're about surrender. You know, it's the least desirable option, but it's all you got. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, I think, um, still have options, still have things that they're curious about, but think that they need to surrender and i get the sense sometimes that it's like well you're not yet ready to surrender because you've still got to try a few things and realize they don't work mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. I, I don't think i've ever said that to anybody but surrender isn't something you can do prematurely it, it comes like you're saying you know and when you're at your wit's end um in an almost spontaneous way I like the uh, the practice you shared there of deathbed surrender. That's uh-huh. um, poetry like, right there in the in the title, deathbed surrender. Yeah, I mean that's something I would do pretty regularly at those points. Um, yeah, there's another yeah. one that's more of a meditation, but it's like a ten minute, just basically lay on the couch and no matter what it's more to get some space between yourself and some thoughts but basically just laying on the couch for 10 minutes or so and you know set a timer and unless your house is on fire like don't move don't get up you know your mind can tell you whatever this needs to be done that needs to be done just you know and that's that's helped a lot with me like you know because you have to get space between yourself and your thoughts otherwise it's yeah 
the demons and everything will get kind of run your life. Right. Right. And that's the power of, of mindfulness of meditation. Um, I guess if I can backtrack a little bit, you were introduced to these practices by your therapist um, or you said psychologist and you said mm -hmm. that he, he reminded you of Yoda. I, I interviewed uh, an incredible man, um, Mahisi, Mahisi Kaplan. Mm -hmm. And he actually describes an encounter with a Buddhist monk by the name of Bhante Damavaro, who was the character that Yoda was based on. Um, really? He was actually friends with George Lucas. And um, I, I just wanted to share that there because, really? uh, yeah, you know, Yoda's got um, a lot of genuine spiritual wisdom. And I think um, George oh. Lucas was a very spiritual guy or is a spiritual guy. And, and Star Wars, part of the intention was to introduce spirituality to the, to the public. And so oh. um, that was just something that jumped out at me. I know I might be um, backtracking a little bit, but. Uh, oh yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> was, I always uh, thought you could, I always thought you could interchange the uh, you could interchange the force for Dao or right you know like it's just basically the same thing right and so these he practices more... oh, that sorry, you're talking you... about these practices that you're talking about sorry um it, 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 you're surrendering into the force into the Dao into mm -hmm. what you call life with the capital L and so those exercises can be found in your work. Um, on, on Amazon, I can see that, uh, you can, you can get all of your books in, in one sort of package for those uh -huh. that are curious. Of course, the links will all be in the description. So Greg, something that many of my listeners, as well as myself have experienced is depersonalization. Um, interestingly, a lot of people face depersonalization, but because it's so strange and bizarre and hard to describe they've never heard a description of it. Mm -hmm. so they don't know what to call it. So they don't know what to look up. They don't know, you know, how to really describe their experience. It's just very strange. Sometimes this happens within a spiritual context, you know, as a result of meditation, result of, you know, some sort of inquiry. Other times mm -hmm. people experience it just, you know, um, as a trauma response or maybe a, as a result of, of drug use and whatnot. Can you tell us a little bit about what depersonalization has been like for you? If it's if you're comfortable speaking about your experience, um, just for listeners out there who might you know pick up a thing or two from your description and say, hey, you know that that that's happening to me. Finally, mm -hmm. I've got a word to describe it. What would you say? A lot of times, I'll describe it as just taking like one hit of marijuana, like one hit, mm. like. It's just you it just pulls you back a little bit from from your from everything um I, there's a lot of depictions of it in movies um right. where somebody's like talking and then they'll do like they do really good like camera angles and they'll put the filter on there um but i I refer to a lot as just a big heavy blanket like a big old lead blanket on you and it's it is it is really it's really hard to describe yeah um 
it's I mean you can use words like detachment or um but yeah derail or it's yeah but yeah it 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 is pretty hard to describe especially when I've been in it for so long it's um but yeah that's the probably the best way I can describe it yeah is is probably if people smoked it it's like just taking like a small hit of that and just I don't know it's like yeah it's like a a heavy suit of armor on you right that's why I think right. it's related to trauma Yeah, that's an interesting way you describe it. And I actually haven't uh, thought of it that way. But looking back, I think the first time that I experienced it that wasn't um, as a trauma response was through smoking weed. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was then, then I was experiencing this depersonalization, you know, feeling like you said, detached, you know, like things weren't real um out of my body like i took a step back from everything and i couldn't get take a step forward again it was like i couldn't get back into my body or, or back into the world and this persisted long like days after um you know the 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 chemical had left my body um so that's uh it's an interesting way of describing it um it, it's very uh, uncomfortable um, so along with like your practice, deathbed surrender, um, was there anything else that, that you found brought you relief from, from the depersonalization? Um, not fully, but there's a lot of things I've done that, um, were kind of mainstream, but not mainstream, I guess, um, binaural beats, mm -hmm. um, is really good. I, I feel like I got into that like way before it was really popular. I think it was like 2007 or something. Mm -hmm. um, there was like a guy in Portland putting them out and I, they were, um, yeah, those are really good to get into. Um, uh, even things like Wim Hof, I got into him a while back too. Uh, basically just breath work and ice baths. Uh if you're not familiar with Wim, then yeah, he's that's about basically what he's into. But he has an interesting story too. Um, he lost his wife, and then he started, you know, through the grieving process, he found these practices and they helped him. But and he's big on science and stuff and working into that too. But those are two main things that have helped. Um, obviously, like hydration and sleep um, are big things too. Right. Sleep is huge. It's huge. Uh -huh. I think that if the body isn't rested enough, it can't hold you energetically in the world. And so we tend to float off and it can contribute to those, you know, um, detached states. Um, cold plunges are, are fantastic for bringing us back in the body. Um, you know, if you want to feel something, jump into cold water. <laughs> yeah, uh, right I, I i empathize with people who say they feel numb they can't feel anything i understand what they mean but mindfulness i mean 
without jumping into cold water, mindfulness can show you that there's a lot of sensation, a lot of experience happening in the body at all times. But I mean, if you want to overcome some numbness, try jumping in a cold lake. <laughs> um, of course, uh, I, I don't want to make a gross oversimplification. Numbness is a very uh, you know difficult experience to have, especially if it's ongoing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I used to do some some cold plunges pretty regularly. Um, and then one day I jumped in and it kind of came out and, and my, my whole body is covered in hives. It seems like I've developed Perfect. an allergy to the cold. Um, it's very strange. Um, so I, I miss it though. I miss the, the benefits of it, uh -huh. but, uh, maybe the uh, allergy will go away. But anyway, um, so how does some of the things that you've shared in your writing, uh, you know, about overcoming pain, you, uh -huh. you write about healing, making friends with some of the difficult experiences of life as they move through our body, the emotions, the thoughts, the sensations. Um, have you found that these practices have served you to heal things from the past? And if so, how does that look like for you? I feel like the the healing is mostly done through the mind to body connection. So mm. if I if I have so, um, I was kind of a, I got long story short, I got bullied a lot when I was a kid. So if I get into a situation where it seems like the same people that bullied me back then are going to be in my life. Now I get, um, a pretty strong emotional response. So if I feel that response, then I can, um, I can kind of mentally process it because I'm not living in that response. I'm, I'm more feeling it and getting through it faster. And so it doesn't linger. And then I feel like I can kind of mentally, you know, come to realizations that, oh, you know, um, anybody that's bullying somebody is, is being bullied themselves or they're hurt, you know, or they're dealing with pain too. They're just, I call it like a hot potato, like just passing the pain around, you know? Right. Um, but so I think it's kind of that mind body connection of, cause the, the feeling will grab you and then you, you can either act it out, um, you can fly, fight or flight, or you can do, um, you can feel it. And then you're going to work through it and not pass it on. So I think that practice has really helped me um, work through a lot of stuff uh, from my past. And then, then once you start clearing out some of that, it just it's just easier and easier. Um, but that varies from people to pe person to person, how much you know needs to be cleared or what. But if somebody has anxiety somebody has depression, somebody has depersonalization, panic attacks. I mean, it's definitely, to me, that's a clear sign that they have some things that are, let's say like making their inner child extremely mad and they don't, you know, that that child doesn't know what to do. So it takes it out on the adult. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like the way you're talking about it. And, and I mean, I, I kind of, um, 
I, I knew this was a theme because it's there in your work. But healing is so important, right? We have ideas of being in the now and just observing and being aware, which is helpful in the midst of, of difficulty. But there is a second component, second part of the journey, which involves allowing things from the past to come up to be released. Like you mentioned, you know, you might get triggered based on experiences from your past and being bullied. Um, but healing is so powerful. You speak also really beautifully about the the healing power of love, the oh. the healing power of the heart. So your series is called The Heartwarming Field Guide for the Journey from Pain to Peace. Can you talk a little bit about you know what these words mean to you, you know, the heartwarming or or using the heart to heal? Is anything you know coming to you? to share with our audience about the power of the heart? That's just where everything goes to heal. Honestly, it's the, it's the one mechanism I guess we have to, to heal. Um, yeah. I think I say, sometimes I forget a lot of my writing, but I think I say that all pain dissolves in the heart. Yeah. I, I think I read that line. All pain dissolves in the heart. I think that's, I mean, I think, kind of simply put that's that's where it is you have to get in touch with your own that that your own space inside there and it's kind of an individual journey but it's a collective journey i think um but yeah right so when you first discovered these practices or the journey or the path did you find that you you know you you found access to your heart right away, or was that a theme that began to emerge later on? I would say pretty soon. I think when I when I say that the 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 calm inside feeling came up, it was definitely in my heart region. Mm -hmm. um, it was just sort of like a warm, gooey, you know, feeling. Right. Uh, that sort of all that flowed from. That's for lack of a better term. I yeah. was just because when I, when I was in that when I'm in that state, then and in that feeling, then it's you know it just it just comes out. I would I would like I would used to use analogy be like I would just make myself into like a like a pool of gasoline and just the inspiration would just spark the fire and then I would just go with it. I think speaking back to the creative process, I think that's. Like it for me, it wasn't a very, it was an active process, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. At least for me, it's like you have to actively sit down, but that's as far as your action goes. The rest oh. is the flow. Maybe you're saying, you know, you have to actually light yourself on fire and then the fire will burn on its own. Something mm -hmm. like that. Or the yeah. fire just, yeah, comes in. When, uh, yeah. Interesting. I'm just, I was curious, um, because for me, 
I found peace without access to my heart per se. It felt more like a detached spaciousness that wasn't warm or gooey. It was rather cold and empty, not in a very negative way. It just lacked the warmth in the body that you seem to be describing, you know, the warm, you know, the heartwarming field. It didn't have that. That came for me later after a few years uh, when I found it necessary to begin healing some of this body's pain and trauma. And I know that so many are going through this, this purification process, uh, you know, at this point on their journey and, you know, work like what you're putting out is, is, it's really powerful and reassuring and soothing, really soothing as well. Thank you. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So earlier on, you mentioned that you've got, uh, some more works, uh, in the works. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the next legs of your journey as a writer? Um, one of the books I see, I got to get, um, I've learned that I need a, a good editor. And so I'll use fiber and I'll find, and I'll kind of crowdsource it a little bit, but um, it's a book about um, relationships. So I got, so it's question and answer basically a lot of copy and paste from my Tumblr, mm -hmm. just quite just compiled. I don't know. It's probably hundreds of answer question and answers, and I try to put them. Kind of my work was now was putting them into a sequential order that makes sense. One question to answer it, and one question, so it it's it had a flow to it. Um, so I'm working on that one. Uh, there's another book. Um, it's basically a mindfulness book, um, called deeper I'm working on, um, kind of a, like a journey from like outside perceptions, reality to the inward, um, just kind of going through that whole, the process from going from being outward to going inward, um, deeper in the body. Um, and then there's another book I'm calling, uh, like inner war and it's more about my DP. Uh, my depersonalization um but it's i tried to tie in a lot of my life experiences into it and kind of let let me like write and flow with those experiences kind of looking back on a lot of stuff so yeah no if i don't write them and put them out people will be like what the heck what yeah. <laughs> i'll give me motivation to finish because it's it's tough to finish a book it's a lot of work yeah, for sure. I, I, I can only imagine um, the editing process can be pretty intense. And uh -huh. I guess, um, you know, looking back at, at years of writing, do you ever find that your responses have evolved or you would have said something differently or that something you wrote no longer applies? Is that an experience you have? As far as the books, uh, it, I guess it's like going through school, like where you go through kindergarten and first grade, second grade. So it's like, it's all rel the te like everything's all relevant from kindergarten and you're when you're in second grade. So I guess it just sort of builds more than I uh, would write it differently, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. Because so people are at different stages. So it's tough to say 
oh, I shouldn't have written that or because, I mean, if somebody reads something I've written and it helps, then that's, you know, that's my end goal. So. Oh, that makes sense. I like that. And then once again, it goes back to, uh, you know, excuse me, it goes back to the idea of, uh, you know, surrender. And it, it seems almost like you're um, giving up the creative process to something that's speaking through you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Fascinating. I, I, yeah, I didn't really want, like my, my intention in my life was not to be a writer. It was not to help people. I just been pushed towards it. Right. Yeah, like, I wanted to be an engineer. Like, I have a degree in physics. Like, I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to, you know, for a while, I wanted to be a rock star. Like, but I just keep getting pulled back to writing. Um, yeah, in kind of weird ways. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I can relate a little bit. Um, yeah, I I also played in a band. Um, we were playing punk, hardcore punk, so. I didn't have dreams of being a rock star, but, um, you know, being a guy here, hosting a guy like you talking about the common side and, and the heartwarming field, it just, you know, wasn't really on my radar, but, <laughs> uh, you know, life has a different plan, right? It, it wants to bring things through and, um, anybody can be a candidate. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Great. Well, Greg, it, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Um, I want to invite our audience to check out the description to find uh, links to all of Greg's work, his Instagram. Is there anything else uh, that you've got going on that you'd like to share with our audience, Greg, before we wrap up here? Uh, mostly Instagram and Tumblr. I still I don't do a ton on Tumblr. Probably if you want to connect with some of my my newer work and some a lot of my writing, uh, Instagram is going to be the place. Um, I try to combine my writing with really beautiful photography. So that'd probably be the best place. Oh yeah. I've got to say uh, the way you've curated your page with your quotes and uh, the photography, the artwork is uh, it's really incredible. It's, it's, it, it gives off the feeling of calmness and the feeling of that spaciousness, which I think, uh, you know, you're trying to, to, sh to spread and share. Um, so to all those listening out there, check out Greg on Instagram. You can find him on Tumblr. Are, are your, your books are all available on Amazon as well. Highly yep. recommend. And and I must say, um, you know, I, I'm a bit of a a lover of beautiful design, graphic design. I love the covers of all of your books. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, it, it's all got a really uh, great cohesive feel to it. It's it's uh enjoyable stuff. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a pleasure. I hope that uh, our conversation today has inspired, uh, some others out there to tap into their own creativity. I'm sure that, you know, once people check out your work, if they haven't already, they'll be inspired because I know I have been. Thank you. Cool. All right. Thanks, Brent. So to all of those listening out there, thanks so much for spending some time with Greg and I. We'll catch you next time. Much love and peace.